Okay, it's Thursday before prelim finals. We are back. Jared, you're in downtown Brisbane. The drones have been out above Red Hill. Uh, don't know if you'd have any new information on what's going on at the Broncos. Um, but can, it, can you get any more excited? Well, it's the weekend, isn't it? We get the two grand finalists out of this. And I did say going back a few weeks ago, keep telling us that uh, the teams that are the top two defenders, the teams that have the week off have the advantage. We've ended up with the top four again. I think that's the right top four. I think the finals have played out the right way. Uh, and we've got sitting on one side the Panthers, we've got sitting on the other side the Broncos. Uh, they've had a week off in waiting. They're the top two seeds. Uh, and now very pronounced favourites. And I, would, I was talking to Tristan Merlihan at Top Sport a couple of days ago about this, and certainly we both agreed it's um, a long, long time since we've had this weekend of preliminary finals where we've had two very pronounced favourites. We've got a dollar eighteen Panthers at a line of minus 12.5, and we've got the Broncos at a dollar twenty six at a minus 10.5 line. There has been a push on the Broncos. We'll get to the game previews in a moment. But, Steve, that line for the Broncos went up 12.5. Clearly, from across the ditch and plenty of people who like what the Warriors are doing took the 12.5. It's down into 10.5 now. But we still have two very pronounced positions. Okay. Well, before we get into the previews, Jared, um, it's uh, we've got to do a bit of housekeeping. We had a tipping comp running this year. The uh, ball and all, the ball and all NRL tipping comp, uh, huge success. Uh, Twenty bucks in, the winner wins two thousand dollars. Jared, we have a winner. So for those listeners that aren't aware what's been um, going on behind the scenes the last couple of weeks, we had two at the end of the normal rounds after twenty-seven rounds. Kiwi Doc, who's uh, lives up at, uh, he's up at uh, North Burley now, um, and Greg Murdoch, who lives here in Lennox Head, the, they were tied. Um, so we went into basically a playoff situation where they had to pick um, a winner for each game. And uh, Greg Murdoch came out on top. He wins the two grand. There you go. Yep, there you go. Outstanding. And, uh, and Jared, if you, uh, if you aren't aware, which I'll make you aware, Kiwi Doc sent a very nice email um, expressing uh, the fact that he's really enjoyed, uh, well, he enjoyed the, the tipping comp. He's a bit bummed that he came up second. But uh, he's really enjoyed the podcast this year, uh, especially the uh, the breakdowns and um, you know, especially the captain's run when we're going into each weekend. And obviously, it helped him helped him get to second. But unfortunately, Kiwi Doc doesn't doesn't get any because it's winner takes all. And Greg Murdoch, uh, we will be uh, we will be ready to present him the two thousand dollars in the next uh, probably in the next week by the time the grand final comes around. Well, the other thing in the background, Steve, we don't need to talk about it now, but just to give everybody a heads up. Oh, um, is that about how, how well Woody tipped? <laughs> a few exciting things happening on the tipping comp fronts for next year. Okay, beautiful. Inclu- inclu- including a, uh, a really nice survivor comp. So like a last man standing, but a slight difference to it. Uh, and on housekeeping, listen... I uh, did briefly mention to you, but I was listening to the Jimmy Grant podcast. I have never pissed myself laughing so much. Some of the stories in that take me back. And uh, the, oh, the one Nichols, we did, la- yeah, catching up with Jimmy last week. Yeah, he was a champion. Absolutely yeah. outstanding. If anybody out there hasn't listened to it, 
certainly go back and have a listen. There's just some cracking stories and the uh, some of the Laurie Nich- Nichols stories, let alone the uh, Rat-a-tat-tat train story, is just outstanding. Yeah, thanks for that. Now, Jimmy, Jimmy's uh, Jimmy comes to Lennox a lot. We've got to know him over the years very well. Uh, he's a champion bloke. He's doing great things, um, mainly in, in Indigenous communities. Uh, got some really good thoughts on where the state of rugby in Australia is as well, and I think they're their views that you need to listen to. I know he's been pushing the barrow to the ARU, um, not with a lot of success, but um, I think I've, I've, well, I've had a truckload of texts this week, but I reckon that Laurie Nichols story is probably, we've had some great guests on that have told some cracking stories over the last four or five years, but that Laurie Nichols story probably oh. has to be the funniest story I've heard. I think so, absolutely. Rat-a-tat-tat, out goes your cat. Meow. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. It just makes you laugh every time you listen to it. Anyway. I was pissing myself laughing. Yeah, so if you haven't had a listen to it, jump on. It's up. But it's, uh, It went up on Wednesday. It's uh, it's a long one, so jump in the car and um, and just sit back and relax. But there's some really, really good stuff in the Jimmy, Jimmy Grant podcast. Righto, well, uh, the ti- well, actually, just on the Tigers, because that's where he went. He went from a country boy playing five tests for the Wallabies in 88 to signing with the Balmain Tigers, who are now uh, Balmain West, or West Tigers, or whatever you want to call them. What the fuck are they thinking, Jared, in reappointing their chairman, who has presided over multiple wooden spoons? The news comes out yesterday that he's, uh, he's in the seat for another three years. Oh, Stephen, I, I got some messages from a couple of um, uh, West Tiger supporters last night and certainly in the know uh, and and had a fair bit to do with the club. And, yeah, I mean, it raises questions about conflict of interest that your major sponsor is also the chairman, uh, has also presided over all of this mess. I mean, one of the other key questions is, um, you know, there was a... Um, a supporter-based-led um, uh, petition put to the board, which the board actually acknowledged and said they were going to do an inquiry on the back of that. Well, I haven't even started looking at any sort of inquiry and, and basically reaffirmed that the, their support for the existing management. And based on where I think is that the so-called is, review? That's correct. Yeah, yeah the so-called right. review. Um, and you know, uh, based on all of um, uh, their list current recruitment. I'm sure that they'll make a few additional signings in the coming months. But where they actually stand now, if they don't give the bottom two a red hot go next year, I'll give up. Bottom two of the table. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. know. You, 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 I know you don't. Uh, you're not a real watcher of the NRL 360 uh, program since um, Ben Iken moved on, but. Benny Elias was on there last night and love him or hate him and, you know, he does have an opinion. He said, you'll love this one. <clears throat> he said, he, he absolutely ripped um, the chairman a new one. Uh, that was the first thing. But the second thing is he said, how many, um, he asked the question, uh, how many people do you think are involved in that review? I well, ask you the question. I don't know. Uh, you, well, you have to think a subcommittee of at least three. There are 50 people involved in the review. Oh, seriously? Yeah, 50 people. And prior to any 
so-called outcomes of the review, you're appointing a new chair, uh, sorry, a chairman for a further three years. It's pretty ordinary behaviour. Well, the, the, the other key thing <clears throat> that's been touched on over the last couple of days is um, just look at some of the executive decisions of the last number of years. You know, they, they moved Michael Maguire on after extending him, mm. and then there's a significant payout. Then the whole Tim Sheen's debacle, mm. and you know, when he was brought back, there was a fanfare. It was almost like a, a circus announcement. You know, this was the man that was going to take us back to the promised land. Um, you know, he lasted 18 months. I'm sure that there's also some sort of payout involved in that. Um, you know, Fern has now been uh, been uh, sacked with a year still to run on his contract. I'm sure there's a payout on that. Um, you know, they also have a whole list of players that are, were playing elsewhere this year that they're still paying part of their salary to. Uh, the, the whole um, executive management decisions um, just leave so much to be desired. I tell you, I, I mean, I know I've expressed this previously on the podcast, but I, I, you know, I really rate Benji and I don't think there's any doubt when you hear someone like Wayne Bennett talk about Benji's future that he will be a very, very good coach at some stage in the future. But, oh, gee, I, I just really have my concerns that poor old Benji's going to get hung out to dry at the Tigers at some stage in the next oh, 12 or 18 months. Well, you couldn't get a price. Yeah. There's absolute odds on. And I can tell you that, you know, all this checker story um, that's been pushed in the last couple of days, it, it's got legs. But the person that's pushing it is supposedly supposed to be one of the key supporters of Benji Marshall. Yeah, right. Dear, just, oh, dear, oh, dearie me. Yeah. Right, oh, well, let's move on to more positive things. Um, Friday night, 7.50, we are back in Sydney. The Panthers, well-rested, come up with somewhat injury sort of ravaged storm. Um Quite obviously, uh, you know, the, these prelim finals usually are probably a little bit more sort of do or die than uh, than the grand final because, um, you know, grand final you sort of got nothing to lose. Uh, prelims, you really want to get to the big dance. Uh, Dylan or Dylan Edwards sort of, you know, at the back, they're pretty much, uh, you know, is Isaac Tago going to play? Question mark on that one. What are you hearing there, Jared? Well, the drones have been out, Steve. Um, Tago won't play. Oh. Uh, Garner will come in. So it's the move that they made a couple of weeks ago when they played the Warriors. Tago was named. He didn't play. Garner started in the set, in the centres. Uh, that was, I think, a smarter move because we saw Peachy be exposed for a few issues in defence uh, in the weeks prior. So that'll be the main change. Luai is right to go. Uh, in his so train. he'll start? So he'll start. Okay. And have uh, the drones reported that he's been training? Has he been doing contact? Uh, he, he has, right. absolutely he has, and uh, he's good to go. So so the, the Penrith pretty much at full tilt as uh, they've been over the last couple of weeks and the same side that played uh, the Warriors. Big question mark out over the storm about whether Jerome Hughes actually plays again. Um, the mail is that he's still in significant doubt. Mm, um, so They really need him um, on the park to be any chance, don't they? Well, I do. Listen, I thought a couple of key points out of how they played last week with he missing is that he runs the right edge and Munster runs the left edge. And I thought it was very noticeable that outside that first 15 minutes when Wishart got some nice clean ball, 20 metres from the line, nice dummy, threw a hole 
bit of acceleration and scored a nice try. For pretty much the rest of the game, they completely played to the left and didn't have so much of the balance that they normally have when Hughes is there. So that's a key watch because if Hughes is out, then I think that that is uh, how they look to play. I also think that that starts to nullify some of the strike that they have in attack and makes it a little easier to beat in defence. Um, and I'm sure that the Panthers would be well keyed up on all of that. Um, I thought the Storm were disappointing last week. They led 6-0, got to 10-0. Uh, by the 26th mark, I thought they had a hold of the game, yet they didn't score off that minute mark until well into the second half. I thought they had an opportunity to put the Roosters to bed, to kick away. I thought they should have won by two to three tries if they'd managed the game correctly. Full credit to the Roosters, who actually just kept turning up in defence and defending and defending and defending, and um, in the end got themselves back into a, a tight arm wrestle. And that's the key about the Storm. And you know, what we already know about the Storm, and we touched on this a couple of weeks ago when they went to Brisbane to play the Broncos, that their away form is so different to what they've offered when they've been at home, uh, in particular in defence. And now their last four games, they've conceded 26, 28, 26, 26. Uh, they just don't have um, the right style of team balance and attitude to go through a full 80 minutes when they're on the road. And I, again, I thought we saw that last week when, you know, by the 26th minute, the 30th minute, they had hold of the game yet weren't able to go on with it. And um, This is a different level for them to step up to. Panthers at home bush where they play very well. They've had a dominant record over the last three years on the Storm. Uh, on both occasions this year, they've ended up going away with comfortable wins. And, yeah, we should go back to round 18. Uh, in Melbourne, and it was between Origin 2 and 3, the Storm led 14-0. Mm. And everybody's thinking, as I was, oh, here we go. Yet Penrith went with it, ended up in into third gear, into fourth gear in the second half and kicked away for a 34-16 win. Uh, I think that they're a really tough nut to crack. They really do look on the up. There's there's certain ways that you have to play them to be able to beat them. And the Storm have some of that. I just don't know they have enough in attack. I think the I big thing think on that, that is you just got to be able to do it for 80 minutes. Like if you take – if you have a look at what Parramatta did twice this year, including the last round uh, of the normal comp, um, they did it for 80 minutes. And, yep. you know, I mean, Bellamy's a big watcher of, of, um, of content week in, week out, so there's no doubt that he'd – he would have watched those games, um, you know, a gazillion times. But you've got to be able to do it for 80. I'm not sure they can challenge for 80. I think they can challenge for periods of the game. Yeah, I, I, I'll ask you this question. One thing that I think is quite interesting with the cloud around whether or not Jerome Hughes plays is I noticed Pazette played pretty well last weekend in the Q Cup uh, game. So he's not injured, um, but... He, I, I would have thought he might have come into contention there um, if Hughes was out. Well, he's not even named on their I extended know. list. Yeah. Clearly, he's not now in the picture this week. And and I, I think on the back of last week, you know, Wishart did a very good job. Yeah. And uh, just as a, a side question, it does beg the question on who's doing homework where if you're a bottom four table team uh, during the course of this year. I mean, 
Wishart was very, very good at the opening part of this season when they had some injuries in mm. the storm. He clearly stood out as somebody that could play. I know the Dragons were really disappointed that they didn't retain him when he left. Uh, he comes out last week and, and played exceptionally well in the halves. I mean, what are some of these clubs that are scouring the world looking for a number seven or a number six to run their show doing? Well, I think... I should have been looking at this kid for months. Yeah, and I think back at the Dragons, he played most of his football at nine. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, when you have a look at the versatility of what the Storm, what Bellamy and the coaching staff have turned him into, I mean, he's he started games at fullback, he started in the centres, he started at... uh, He's played games at nine, he's obviously played at seven, like far out. You could, well, any, there's, any, there's, any roster could use a Tyron Wishart. Well, and there's not a better pickup, as we know, than a kid that's had a couple of years in the Storm system and how good they come out of that. Uh, and the kid can clearly play so many positions. I mean, he, he has the, the makings of being another uh, Nico Hines. Yeah, 100%. And he comes from great uh, pedigree. I mean, he's, his dad was a fantastic footballer and he's a very, very good person. So, um, yeah, anyway... Um, how do I mean if if we do potentially we've got to look at it because it is potential there is potential there for the storm if we get a boil over and Penrith don't roll into their fourth grand final in a row and the storm do get a win how what's the game plan? Well, I think there's only one team left that's got the right game plan to be able to do it for eighty minutes and that's the Broncos. I mean, what you've got to do you've got to have your um, real intensity in defence, but you've then got to have line speed that's very quick, but you've got to have size. And that's where the Parramatta muscle Mm. created the opportunity when we go back to that upset in the last round at Penrith Park. Um, Then the other thing you've got to be prepared to do is play a little bit of uh, ball offload because that starts to break them up. The second phase really troubles their uh, defensive line. And then you've got to take some opportunity with that ball offload to be able to hit them with some attack movement and strike and then make the scoreboard your friend and, and get yourself uh, two, three tries that makes the Panthers have to chase the game and chase the game at the same time where you're still belting them with big men through the middle and that intensity in defence. Now, the point we've touched on with the Storm is being able to go with that style of game plan for 80 minutes and they've struggled to, I still think that they're one big man short in the middle. Um, and what that then means is instead of being able to play Nelson on an edge consistently, they're rotating Nelson back through the middle uh, at times. Um, I I'm, I'm, don't know that Cameron Kamika or um, Sims have really muscled up and done the job consistently through the middle. And so that's where their problem starts to come once they get into those rotations. So Bellamy's got the right plan. That got them to 14-0 when they led in round 18. Being able to go on with it for 80 minutes is the issue. I think um, if the roadmap looks right here, that into the second half, that Penrith can just keep doing what they do and put another try and then another try and then another try on the board, and I think they probably get away and win by 18. I think, um, you know, as far as uh, coverage and the press, I, I don't think there's been enough made, of, and maybe they do it next week if they win this game and they roll into the into the grand final, but I don't think there's been enough made of the last four years of the Panthers and their dominance and the fact that, oh, they, that you know, not only have they lost um, quality players to, op- to you know, op- opposing sides, they've also lost, you know, quite a few coaches. And, um, you know, the job that... Um, 
Ivan Cleary has done to keep uh, keep these guys on the pathway for four years is it's quite astounding in the in the modern era. I mean, we, we go back and wax lyrical about, you know, the great Parramatta side, you know, winning three in a row and making four grand finals in a row and then, you know, the, the Raiders sides and the Broncos sides and, you know, um, Storms, Storm and Roosters, you know, uh, in the last sort of 10, 15 years. But none of them have done what the Panthers have done. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And we need to put this into perspective that there is uh, a contingent of people at News Limited who had a massive fallout with Ivan Cleary, or Ivan Cleary had a massive fallout with them. Uh, what, was with, that over? Oh, was that over the... The Tigers. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, and uh, some, you know, some pretty choice things were said in the background that, um, you know, put a wedge between a number of those people and Ivan, and so he's not been one of the favoured yeah, people, yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. you know, you look, you look at, you know, the, the, the rosy coverage that guys like... Um, uh, Hook have got over recent seasons, or Kevin Brad Lewis. Arthur, or a like, or Kevin Walters. Yet, you know, what Ivan's done is just outstanding. And, you know, I've said all, you know, for the last three months, I absolutely love Andrew Webster. And mm. I'd like to tell a couple of stories about he and his approach to coaching in the weeks to come. Um, and he's just a fantastic story. What he's achieved is, is outstanding. But, uh, uh, you know, everybody wants to champion him now as the coach of the year. Ivan Cleary, four years in a row. Has I can't his see team how you go. Yeah, I'm with you. I can't see how you can go past. Like Webster's done. There's been some amazing performances by Kevy and Webster and whatever. But how can you go past um, Ivan Cleary? I, I, I'm with you. hundred percent. I mean, yeah. You know, look at We're some in of the, the salary other clubs. cap era. You know, like a, oh, you know, he's he's lost he's he's lost multiple top line players out of grand final sides, coaching yep. staff, and he, and they continue to be outstanding. Well, they've got the best defence four years in a row in the top two, if not the number one. This year, they've been conceding 12. So mm. after all of those salary cap changes, all of those player rotations, all of those coaching changes, they're still conceding they're still 12 points a week. Righto. Well, let's move on to uh, Saturday, Saturday night, 7.50, Broncos versus Warriors at Suncorp. Uh, this is on the back of the AFL game that kicks off around 5 o'clock, big weekend in Brisbane. Um, I don't know if you'll be able to get the drones out after Friday, Jared. You'll probably be grounded with the amount of people flying in for uh, a big week weekend of AFL and rugby league. Um, Broncos, they don't have anyone out. They're not missing anyone. Like, full strength um, from the back with, uh, with the breakout year for Reese Welsh, um, who... Left the Broncos, went to the Warriors and was able to return based on sort of family grounds. Um, you know, the back line, intact, Jesse Arthurs, Katoni, Herbie, Selwyn, Ezra Mann, Adam Reynolds. And, you know, the, the, pack is, uh, the pack has been very, very dominant. Up against a, you know, a side that you would think there's not going to be any doubt this week, with, you know, that's going to be led by Sean Johnson. Um, you're not hearing any different on that. Johnson will definitely play. He'll definitely play. You know, he's good to go. He pulled up fine. Um, uh, came out of the weekend in in great form. And uh, just touching on that, I'm in a big weekend in Brisbane, Steve. They've whacked up the accommodation prices by 65% for Have Friday they? night, Saturday night. Yep. Fuck that! Yeah, only so, happened in Queensland, that other country that's uh, north of north no. of the border here. Yeah. Don't, don't tell me anybody's not taking advantage of that. And listen, uh, you know, I live right on the edge of the city and I'm only uh, 
only about 60 yards from the Gabba and just a quick little Uber across to Suncorp and I've got a spare bedroom that probably goes for about three grand a night for Friday <laughs> or Saturdays. Anyone wants to pop in? Yeah, righto. Well, I might pop in, but I'm not paying three grand. Um, really well led last week, uh, the Warriors by Tohu Harris. Um, he was outstanding. Gee, they were good last week, Jared. Is there... Yeah. I actually think there's. I reckon I give the I give the Wars a chance on Saturday night. Yeah, listen, I, uh, a point I think I I uh, I missed and just didn't focus enough on in my uh, my analysis going into last weekend was that the Knights came off a very physical game against the Raiders yeah. where they absolutely got whacked for eighty minutes, then went into extra time, and I just think that completely drained them, and then. When they went across the ditch and I thought they could be a little looser and had an opportunity to play, uh, they walked out of the dressing room and just weren't really ready. And, and their long run of success had sort of hit the wall. The Warriors took advantage of that. And I agree with you. I love the way they played. And, and again, credit to their coach. He had their head balanced right. And if you go back and listen to his press conference, it was a key talking point within the team during the week that he felt that they um, felt the pressure against the Panthers. Um, and so all week their focus was about um, being um, up for the game but calm and about worrying about what they had to do, getting into their groove. They had lots of really positive energy. Their focus was great. Johnson was just outstanding. Um, and then, you know, they got themselves into a commanding position into half time. Just after half time, the, the Knights ended up with a try. It looked like there might have been a little bit of a challenge on, and they just weathered that storm and went on. My only question mark out of all of those positives is what level of depth was there in that game? And now they come up against uh, the Broncos. Clearly uh, could have nearly finished first on the table. Well, let's go back to that Broncos game a couple of weeks ago. I thought that was a really strong form line. Um, they held the storm to zero, and that was the most impressive part about it for mine was what they did in defence, and they've shown this on so many occasions that they scramble incredibly well, they work very hard, they've got size and grunt through the middle and nice balance, and then they've got the guy at seven who you know literally is playing in a dinner suit and just playing out of his skin, and the kid at the back who then just pulls a few strings, and the balance is outstanding. Yeah, there'll be 53,000 there on Saturday night, a really good crowd. There'll be a lot of Kiwis there. There always is when the Warriors play at the Gold Coast or in Brisbane. So uh, there'll be a lot of support. But I do think that the market's probably right that there's a gap here. You know, the, the problem for the Warriors is they've got a chance in their arm to play a little bit of attack. But in doing so, um, they've also shown when they're on the road that they can get a little loose in defence. And if they give the Broncos a bit of that opportunity... Um, it's going to be difficult for them to go toe-to-toe through 80 minutes. Um, I think the market's right. I think that the Broncos a little similar to the Panthers. I think the second half will start to see them rise and kick away. I think that they probably win by 14 to 18. Um, but I'm really interested in, in the Warriors and how they aim up here. And, you know, full credit to Webster, as I touched on. But you know, both coaches have done a very good job. Yeah, really looking forward to this. I think there's a chance of an upset here. That's my call. I've been wrong before, but I'd love to see the Warriors win. Oh, listen, I, I think what they've done um, for footy in, in New Zealand is outstanding. And let, let's hope that the powers that be try and capitalise on this a little bit and you know, we, uh, we really get some grassroots work done over 
uh, on the back of this in New Zealand and, and really capitalise on how well the Warriors have, have gone. I think if, you, if you're looking for any time try scorers here, I'd be playing very similar to what the Broncos did two weeks ago and, and that is working around Walsh and then that right edge because that's where they play so uh, uh, so dominantly and they can open opportunities up. And so that's Katoni Staggs. Uh, certainly Cobbo and certainly Jordan Rickey, who I think is running into some nice form. And uh, I think the other one that will probably capitalise on all of that is Ezra Mann. Righto. Well, we'll be back on Monday to uh, wrap it up, or midweek next week probably, to wrap up the prelims and who's going to play it out play out for the grand final. Um, I don't know. I just really want to see two competitive games, Jared. I want to see... Uh, I want to see the Storm put it to the Panthers and at least, at the very least, really test them. And I'd love to see an upset by the Wars. That's my call. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm with you, Steve. I mean, it's really difficult to see where it comes from. Um, but I really hope that the Storm do take it to the Panthers early and maybe get a sniff and it takes that game into um, a real arm wrestle and a bit of a, a next level of football. And then uh, I think potentially we see some points and some attack in that game on Saturday night. And if that opens up, uh, that'll just be a cracking semi-final. And I hope the Wires get a sniff because if they do, they're playing with confidence. And if they get a little bit of belief by the 20-minute mark, we've got a cracking football game. Righto. Well, uh, meow, rat-a-tat-tat, out goes your cat. I'll cop you next week, Jared. I'm going back for a second listen. <laughs> see you, mate. See ya. smoke here. We only set fire through the microphones. <laughs>